Gaming in BS episode 313. Coming to you Monday, October 5th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad everybody's around. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I am all right, Brett. How are you? Not too bad. Shoulders give me a little bit of shit. I think the yeah. pain is, pain's moved from the neck, which is good. The shoulder blade isn't so bad. Chop it off. I'm thinking about it. No, it isn't, yeah. it isn't the hack it off yet. So I got I go back and see the doc later this month. So we'll see what happens. Kind of annoying. But I was still able to, can still pull my bow back, can still sit in a tree, can still go hunting. It's sore, but you know what? It's okay. It's not stopping me yet. Nothing a little whiskey can't hurt, probably. Yeah, help. whiskey, whiskey right. helps. I actually bought a t-shirt that says that. Whiskey, whiskey and painkillers. Whiskey helps. Yeah. I don't see how that could be bad. Right. Did you get Curse of Strahd off the ground this I last did. Saturday? Did, did you? Yes, I did. How did that go, Sean? Uh, it w- actually went fairly well. They they were like, yep, sounds good. Got hooked into it. I think they're playing the, I think they're kind of hand-waving the I don't know you kind of thing. Cause they're, so this is how it starts out. Because I don't think this is the same, this isn't any spoilers, but this is how I started them out. It starts at Eberron. Is, we're talking about my game. Let's yeah. talk about my game. Exactly. Um, starts out in Eberron. I have them on a lightning rail from Rote to Sharn. I'm like, whatever it is, I don't care, but you're on your way to Sharn. Insert reason here. And as far as I know, unless you tell me, you're by yourself. I put all five, what do I have, five players, six? I put them all in the same car. You're going, and you're like an hour out of rote, and all of a sudden, your world turns upside down, almost quite literally becomes quite silent things are floating in the air you feel weightlessness briefly you see your life flash in front of you and then things go black i just like the fact that a sean game actually started on a goddamn train that piece <laughs> that piece alone that piece alone that's worth it that's where the price of entry right there people right there that's just to me that's worth it I can't. I listen to them like you started them on a goddamn train. <laughs> they should know better. They should one one. They should know better. Two. You. This is like. Yeah. I it, finally did it. I started it. them on a train <laughs> exactly. on the rails. That's awesome. And then you took them away. And then I took it off. Took oh, them off. Awesome. So they wake up and they're they're they don't know where they are. Gloomy. The 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 weather's changed drastically before they left. It was sunny and bright and shiny. Heavy mist, overcast. Mist, overcast, gloomy, drizzle, blah. So everything's fine. Everything goes well. They go down the the road and you know enter Barovia, and uh, but the thing is, they're all strangers. They they're like, yep. You notice the four five people that are around you. Kind of ones over there, ones over there. There's a big huge ditch of, you know catastrophic whatever thing kind of went through there which is probably the remnants of the car that they were in well they they don't they try to go down that way but it, there's nothing there and they, the mist comes and whatever right yeah yeah they got the personal I'm like you have all your personal belongings if you had a bag with you and you had it on your lap or something or something of that nature in the overhead whatever it is it's, I'm sure you can find it like around scattered around if you want to look for it 
So I'm not like taking all their shit from them, right? So we go go down the path and everything. And so far, everybody's playing ball, right? Jeff's yeah. not complaining about not being a hero or not an adventurer. But at one point, they get to a, a section and they enter an encounter. And one of the guys is like, "Do I have? Do I have my my javelin and my axe?" I said, "Yeah, of course." Well, I didn't. I didn't know because you said we weren't starting out as adventurers or heroes. <sighs> and I said, "Yeah." Did so you I pause? Said, did you pause very deep? I paused for a second. For <laughs> shuddering, a shuddering. Breath. I don't know if I paused. I was so in the moment. <laughs> I don't remember if I did. I was so angry. It was hard to remember if I paused. And I said, "Dude, yeah, you you've got it. Why wouldn't you have it?" Well, I didn't know, you know, because of this. And I said, "Well, if you're if you're adventuring, even Jeff was like, look, if you could uh, go into a particular area, um, like say in the westerns, right?" If you're in the West, Wild West, carry a sidearm. Yeah. It's kind of the deal. Uh, adventure or non-adventure, you're cowboy, cowgirl, whatever, wearing freaking six-shooter. Yeah. It's kind of the deal, right? It's, it's like, it's, hey, uh, I told him, I said, now we're playing, playing D&D. <laughs> of course you have a fucking weapon. What's wrong with you? I'm not that ruthless. Christ. But other than that, it went fairly well. Some, so another thing that they, they were doing, too, is so I'm running Foundry. And they're like, oh, this is cool. And I made some adjustments, so it made it like easier to use and everything. And I'll, I'll maybe show some of you if you're interested in, in checking it out um, and how to use it. But they, oh, okay. And they get their token, and they run all around all over the board. Oh, just like I told you that happened to uh, my, <laughs> my Intermountain campaign my buddy played. Yeah. Oh, I ran all the way over here and found the monsters. Probably I'm shouldn't like, have right, done that. As soon as you do that, this thing smacks you in the face. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. If you're just going to wander through, like, hey, I'm just wandering through. I'm, You know, you walk past the square that's going to come and smack you in the face. It's a surprise attack. I mean, if you want to go methodically and tell me, like, hey, I'm going to stop yes. here and listen and do all that. But if you're just walking through things and not giving a shit willy-nilly, I'm not going to retcon and go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, before you moved out of there. Yeah, this Let's happens. See. Back it up twenty feet. Give, oh, me a, give me a search roll. I yeah. didn't get any grief. I didn't get any good. Grief, but, Very good. But you know, and I think some of it was a little slowed down. But uh, everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. Uh, I at the end, it got literally the the last kind of thing that they kind of come to is literally at the minute I I gotta wrap things up. Nice. So I'm like, up. Oh, okay, we're all done. I was literally gonna pull the plug. I was gonna just disconnect. Zoom <laughs> and Foundry just leave. Like, boop. Oh, wow. But and I decided, we're done. Like, uh, but I decided, and they're like, no, 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 let's finish this. Let's do this. And I'm like, nope. I got to go. Sorry. Next no, time. No. Next, Next time. time. We'll do it's that. It's called Cliffhanger Kids. Very good. So it's kicked off. Now I got to get ahead of the game and make sure I know what's coming next and how to yep. navigate that. But because it's a sandbox, so we'll see. Cool. But otherwise, uh, and then I gamed on Sunday with Hobbs. We are playing low fantasy gaming, mm -hmm. and we're going to be adventuring through the Midlands with uh, me and two other players. Excuse me. Um, and we stream at 8 on Hobbs665 here on Twitch if you're interested in checking us cool. out. Live 8 to noon Central Time. Brett, gaming. Let's see. Last Tuesday was Under Mountain, my buddy uh, Alpha's game running that. I was a little bit late. Getting to the game, but it was it was cool. We had a lot of we had a good, pretty good time. 
walk. It's an old school dungeon crawl. And uh, every once in a while, one of the other guys is like, yeah, but what? Oh, I kind of wish. I'm like, it, it says on the outside of the box what's in it, kids. This is what it is. Remember, <laughs> think like a dungeon crawler or do this. So Lenny's, um, his uh, Kenku found a little toad, which is actually a quasit. And my guy is a dwarven thief magic user, basically. He's the, um, what is that? The, uh, fuck, there's an archetype in 5e. Arcane trickster. So I'm like, huh, Lenny, or excuse me, can I have your, yeah, Lenny, can I have that? He goes, I don't want it. You're going to have it. So the stupid toad, we, I name him Trevor, of course. Trevor doesn't want to hang out with me. He's mad at me because it took him away from the Kenku. So I've been like arguing with this stupid toad <laughs> for like hours trying to get him to be my familiar and he won't do it yet. So that's getting annoying. That's getting annoying. But so far we're, uh, we're surviving. It's, it's been brutal. We're all on character number two. Oh, wait, not all of us. Lenny's still on the same character. But the rest of... Oh, Lenny and Zave. But everybody else, the other three of us? Yeah, all new PCs. I killed one. Oh, did you? First session. Ah, uh, feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly thought it would be a kind of a tough encounter, but it was... I mean, it was a specter. And, and it was a specter. It was a specter, and uh, specters aren't as bad as they were in first edition, AD&D. Well, there's no level drain. Right. But they do they do the necrotic damage, and you got a 50-50 shot, and DC 10, and they failed, which is fine. You could still take the damage, right? And you could still recoup it, right? If you take the negative drain, yeah, yeah. you can recoup it in 5e. You just have a long rest, and you recoup it, and it's good. But you have to survive the fight to get to the long rest. But you got to survive the fight. And your so what happens for those that don't know the specter um, drain, you take the hit points, and if you fail the save, whatever hit points you take off, right? So the damage, say you, they do nine damage to you, your max hit points becomes nine. So if you were at fifteen, it's now nine until uh, you do that long rest wow. and, and recoup, right? So it's not hey, it's permanent. Well, if you take more damage than you have, well, and it gets it. you to zero, real fast, you die. Yeah, no death saves. Brutal. So, but at first level, I mean, I rolled pretty. I think I might have rolled a crit or uh, really high damage, and and they only had like nine hit points, and I think I did thirteen, and that Man. was done. You are done. Finito. It's kind of a good intro in a you know sick way. <laughs> To Ravenloft, you know, it's it's bad. Well, you know, and circumstances happen. I mean, it's, you roll, I'm I rolling mean, out in the open. You're rolling like, in the open. Everybody's on board with it. It's how you're doing it. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's not that hard to make a character anyway. Whip up a new one. Get back in it, kids. Yeah. Cool, man. Anything else? No. Virtual game will con out there. Let's see here. I think that is. It announcement wise, let's random encounter. What the hell? Let's random move. encounter. Random encounter. A segment in the show where we field voicemails, emails, comments from social oh, media. Oh, let me throw a quick announcement out there as, oh, as an aside. Oh. My, my my bad. I'll jump back through the uh, oh, door oh. there. Um, I as I said before on the show, I stepped down from uh, director runner guy of Evercon, but I still know the team. Help them out when they say, "Hey, what did you do?" or "How did you?" You know, we give them did and whatever but they have decided because the con is in january they were on the fence do we do virtual do we do in person and they're like we got to go virtual so 
EverCon will be virtual this year. Virtual, for sure. Made the call already. That's what it sounds like. I'm waiting for the official official, but that is the inside scoop, kids. So I I would be shocked if they changed it, but it makes the most sense based on where things are at right now. Does that mean Brett's going to be running a game for? A virtual con? I don't know. Like I said, virtual cons just don't trip my trigger. They're just like, eh, just kind of don't thrill me. Did you know that there's a Gary Con Autumn Revel? I saw that. Don't care. I didn't know. I forgot. Yeah. I eh, eh, eh. I said it just doesn't, does not, does not thrill me. Anyway, why don't you read Edwin's? I'll shut up. Let you do that. All right. Edwin Nagy on Jamming on the Fly. I enjoyed the episode about running on the fly or flying on the run, perhaps, even if it had I think some heavy overlap from an older episode that probably had a different title. Either that or I'm experiencing time travel. Related to running on the fly, I'd like to give a shout out to a book I had nothing to do with. Uh, I've been reading through Nord Games' Spectacular Settlements, and it is great. There are procedures for making various types of settlements. Village, trading post, city, capital, keep. And for each, there is a collection of briefly described settlements made by an army of creative writers. Creative backstories, solid maps, and wonderful art. I have several books that I use as tools for prepping, and I look forward to using this one in my text next creative campaign. Good job, Nord. On a related note, it sounds like one conclusion we might distill from the episode, which might remove a bit of the fear factor, is that it's all a continuum. We've always... We're always running a prepared game. It's just that the level and timing of the prep varies from almost none slash during a bathroom break to super detailed slash way ahead of time. As we GM more and more, each of us finds our sweet spot on that continuum where we balance nerves, forgetfulness, adrenaline, availability of props, minis, handouts, etc. When I'm running, I like to mix it up. Sometimes I carefully prepping a set piece can make for a kick-ass evening. Sometimes improvisationalizing from a framework can add zest to the story. Cheers, Edwin. I agree. That's good stuff, actually. I like the very I like succinct. The way, yeah, yeah, very succinct. Which is again something that we tend not to do. But I like the um, the continuum notion because I think that's pretty much it. You can ask a hundred different game masters. How do you prepare? Everyone's going to have themes that are similar, but the actual tactical way you do it is very, very particular to you. And um, instead of looking for the magic bullet, just figure out what works for you. Keep going. And quite frankly, there's... Um, I was talking to somebody at Gary Con. I can't remember who it was. This is uh, two years ago, at least. And um, we were chatting through it. And I'm like, you know, if, if somebody was prepping and it took them 40 hours to get ready for a game session... But they really liked the results of that game session. The players really loved it, and that was the thing. I don't see why you'd want to change that. Like, well, what if you want to do it faster? I said, if they have the time, you know, if you have your druthers, you've got the time, you can do it. Put the time in, man. There's nothing wrong with it. Prepping can be fun. I always have a good time doing it. It's part of the whole gaming, you know, away from the table type of thing. So, yeah, I think it is definitely a continuum. Yeah, and we're always running a prepared game of one flavor or another. Very well said, Edwin. Thank you, sir. Oh, and Evercon, right. Evercon announced it on Twitter. They are virtual. Did they? Okay. Yeah, Nola Bird I, put it I out had, there. I had not seen... I have been, haven't been on Twitter yet lately, except to insult certain people. So I, I should check out and do nicer things. Yeah, I'm going to get banned at some space point Space Force! Vote! <laughs> I still want Space Ghost Coast to, Coast to vote. That's one of my <laughs> preference. 
Anyway, all right, Tom coming in GMing in the fly. By nature, I'm an over-prepper. Sometimes I'll take an existing scenario and heavily modify it to fit my campaign. To me, it feels deep with a lot of detail I might not have thought to add, but then I find myself having to pause to reference my notes or reference material that can break the flow of the game, or the group will go in an entirely different direction. Sometimes I find myself not really prepared for the game, and I ad-lib the session. Almost without exception, those are the more popular sessions. Plus, I don't have to pause to look anything up, just jot down notes as I go for future reference. Trying to learn from this, I now do minimum prep, mainly to keep my mind with the various factions not related to the group will be doing, then I run mostly off the cuff. I admit I find it easier and more enjoyable, and my group seems to enjoy it as well. Well, Tom, goddamn, that's like you just read my mind from what I, was, I said in Edwin's post. If you're finding that's the sweet spot for you, man, that's what's making you and your, char- and your players' characters. Players just have a hell of a good time. Stick with it. That's really cool. That's awesome. You saw something like, hey, I could do this crazy over-the-top, self-aware enough with the group to find out that, hey, the results from this type of thing are better. Lean into that, man. You're going to get better and better at that minimal prep, you know, or minimal for you anyway. You get better and better at it, and it's just going to become second nature. So good stuff, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Over to you, Sean. Gabe's got a long one here. Gabe comments on GMing on the fly. I currently run for two games, Old School D&D, Swords and Wizardry, and Conan 2D20. For Swords and Wizardry, I do a lot of prep, multi-level dungeons, city and town descriptions, sometimes maps, some names of prominent NPCs, brief descriptions of what might be in an overland five-mile band, some notes concerning what various factions are up to. But chances are you're still going to be gaming on the fly. PCs notoriously do not go into the dungeon, but it's there, breathing and attentive for whenever the PCs finally want an adventure. (laughs) They might decide to travel to town for which you have nothing prepared. They might do absolutely nothing but make plans and have meetings with their local NPCs. My players tend to do this last one a lot. Uh, It's their way of avoiding putting their characters into danger. Turtling without actually not doing anything. No, I did stuff tonight. I swear. You're turtling to- <laughs> while doing something. Turtling while talking to the local, you know, rat catcher. All right. Yeah, we talked to the, you know, we <laughs> spent the time talking to this guy, getting info. Totally. It was good. Carry it was on. Good. It was good stuff. <laughs> My point here is that something is prepared, even if it doesn't necessarily use, see use during use during a particular session. For old school D&D, I disrespect the quantum ogre. For me, narrative choices matter. There absolutely should be a difference between going down passage A versus passage B. Something else to note is that this mode of play is very dependent on player activity. This is why my favorite master term for this mode of play is referee. The focus of play is on the player agency. If an adventure is happening, well... You did all see the broadside advertising for the Tomb of Horrors, right? Well, are you going to go there? (laughs) For Conan 2D20, in contrast, I tend to select a pre-1950s weird tale for inspiration. Use that for the story situation, stat out some NPCs, then throw the PCs into it. That kind of game is also reliant on PC activity, but my GMing is much more reactive to emerging narrative. Most notably, I don't bother mapping what I may presume are going to be key locations. Conan 2D20 is almost a super crunchy story game. Dungeons can uh, organically assume the proportions of narrative need, not simulationist exploration. In short, 
The Quantum Ogre is welcome here in exchange for my GM resource of Doom. So Doom is a mechanic in yep. the 2D20. Conan, this is what he's referring to. Not just him, Doom. Uh, I like right. both, actually. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, now, whoops, I, I missed I missed the key. That I got to get back to where I was. Okay. All right. Now, were I to run a SNW on the fly with absolutely no prep, that's why I have a binder of old standards, some mini dungeons. Uh, I'm late to the old school scene, so my standards aren't the usual suspects, I'm sure. There are Creations Edge, Creations Edges, The Cursed Fountain, Jeffrey Talanian's Rats in the Walls, That's and Matt Finch's Tomb of the Iron God. Uh, for Conan 2D20, I'd rely on memory. A really good scenario has been based on Clark Ashton Smith's The Charnel God. But I can see spontaneously creating from whole cloth... Conan characters are built bristling with plot hooks. It would be easy enough to look over the characters, drop them into something, then observe what happens. I expect different games require different degrees of preparedness. For my two favorites, whether maps are important or not seems to be the chief consideration. I'd expect it would be fun sometime as an experiment to burble something out of an online random dungeon generator and just run it. Interesting. I think there's a piece here, Gabe, that I don't know. And if you were here... You know, sharing the discussion with us in person, I'd ask you this. Hey, man, I'm willing to bet, Gabe, that you know the Conan setting, that world, that that pulp, that that 50s time frame. You you know that you Clark Ashton Smith, Eternal God. You know the different um, Conan stories and so forth. You know, you know that you know the setting. I honestly think setting knowledge, almost mastery of that. Right? If you really know the Forgotten Realms or you know a piece of it really well, someone says, "Hey, will you play D and D?" Yeah, I'll put it in uh, Waterdeep. Because you played a bunch in Waterdeep, you know, like the back of your hand, story hooks, ideas of things to do there can help out a lot. Even if you have less system mastery, but setting is known really well. So I can see with the Savage Worlds stuff, what I'm getting out of what you're saying, Gabe, is that you're building more stuff out of whole cloth for Savage Worlds. Yes, you're pulling some things out, but there's, um, but that's not a pre-built world like the Conan, you know, the Hyborian continent type of thing. So I think that I think that helps. Swords and wizardry. Swords and wizardry. So, sorry, sorry. But anyway, Gabe, let me know if that's accurate or not. But that's what I'm suspecting is part of it. Because when you say, when I listen to Sean read this, I came to my mind, I'm like, you know, if I had to whip up a, hey, a Middle Earth adventure, I know Middle Earth fairly well. I'm a bit of a Tolkien file. Yep, sure. Uh, fourth Age, I'll put you in the Troll Shaws, and this is what I'll do. Boom, done. Got a good idea what I would do. Oh, it's going to be in Greyhawk. Got that. Done. Put over here. Dragonlance even. Got that over here. Um, there's certain other um, kind of IPs in that space that I know fairly well. Um, even Call of Cthulhu. I'm like, oh, I'll put you over here. You know, I got an idea of what would fit and so forth from the setting. And I think sometimes the setting piece can throw people off almost as much, if not more so, than the rules perhaps. So anyway, Gabe, interesting, uh, interesting read. And I'll be curious to see what your response is to my little babbling there. Sean, what do you think? My honor. You, yeah, you yeah. I think they're knowing a setting. If you, I mean, espionage game, cyberpunk. If you kind of get an idea of what you see in your brain, you can usually come out with something as long, you know that can put a player or two into a situation they gotta kind of take action with. So that's usually the I think some of the key pieces of 
no planning. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone were to say, hey, Savage Worlds, run that, Brett. I'm like, okay, cool. I know the rules enough. I could figure this out. Hey, where? Wh- what do you want to run it in? I'd be like, I wouldn't think Shintar because I don't know the setting right. enough. Right. I just don't. Right. I know about it and like I'm Shintar adjacent, <laughs> but I don't know enough. So I would not be the, that would not be my setting. I would struggle to, to play in that space, but. Which is not to be all end all because you don't need to know setting to play necessarily. It no, helps, no, no, you know, but. not necessarily, but I'm just, I'm just thinking that based on what Gabe is saying, I could definitely see where from a minimizing prep or whatever it is, if you're going with a known thing like Avalon, if someone said, Hey Brett, you want to run Avalon game? Sure. Right now I got a bunch of ideas. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. I, I read that book, so I've got it. Kind of oh, absorbed it. Pretty good. It's at crazy. It. Yeah, no. Wow. Anyway, Gabe, let's know what you think, man. All right, this is a short one. Oh, I get to read the short one, then Sean gets another long one. <laughs> so Matt V with a correction for us. Hey guys, I made a mistake. It's thirty bucks a person at seven people per table. So full game is two ten. But as I said, he offers a lot of discounts if you pay for a full month of the campaign in advance. Sorry about that mistake. Guess it should be proofread. No worries, Matt. That's still two ten is too cheap in my opinion. <laughs> I still think that's too cheap. I would expect five hundred dollars, <laughs> and that maybe that's just maybe that's not what the market will. But maybe that is not what the market will bear in this space. But seven people at a table seems low to me. That's a lot of entertainment. A lot of entertainment potentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, it's his jam. He make do whatever he wants. But I, I would also Sean, say Sean, you go that, to a movie theater. How much does the ticket cost? Well, right? that's just thing. Well, shit. I don't know. What is it? If I don't go to the matinee or whatever, the yeah, cheap, so you go to, you cheap go to, show. Yeah. I don't even know what it is because I think I go at the ass crack of dawn whenever I can. So let's say it's 10 bucks. It's 15? 15 bucks? 12 15, bucks? Let's say it's 15 bucks. 12 bucks? I don't 15 know. 15 bucks you play, for, and that's an hour and a half movie. Tops. Yeah. Right. So, and if you game for four to five hours... Right, it's like tick, tick, yeah, tick, 50 tick, bucks. Tick. It's like 50 bucks a person at that point. Damn yeah. here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, you know, and I maybe gotta the have my popcorn. Got to have my soda. Yeah. And, and like I said, maybe that's the, like 10 bucks right there. <laughs> Just for looking. But yeah. <laughs> like I said, maybe the, maybe the uh, pro GM market won't bear a 50 bucks a game type of uh, dollar figure. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I would charge them more for a one shot. And then if you get them to book, Oh yeah, the the uh, the buying in bulk thing, the Costco yeah. the Costco approach to game mastering, and have them pay up front. Yeah, half. A couple of people on our forums mentioned this um, around the fact that people who pay for stuff fucking show up, <laughs> and there's something to be said for that. If your money's on the line, I paid thirty dollars for that game. I'm going to that game. Good cancellation policy never hurts either. No, it doesn't. You cancel, I get your money anyway. Well, do I want to just give this cat 30 bucks or do I want to show up and play? And the reason for that is that the person is planning to be, like they're taking everything off of their calendar to be catering to you. That's a hairdresser's. Whatever that is. Yeah. No, you've got, yeah, yeah, yeah it, absolutely. It's And it's so time. when you bail, If it's I'm not like, doing it for you. I have a tattoo artist I've worked with over the years. If I had to reschedule, I always called them like a week in advance. Like, oh, thanks, God, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, that just seems nice. I said, dude, you'd have no, no idea how many times some dude books like a four-hour block to get ink done and then bails on me at the last minute. He's like, that's four hours. I could have been working on somebody else. Right. And that's the thing. So anyway, 
Thanks, Matt, for the correction. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Still too cheap. Tell your buddy to charge more. Good yeah, he deserves more. He absolutely does. All right, Sean. Over no, to go you. ahead. That was a short one, Brett. Uh, <clears throat> Kyle on Easy Wins. Your Easy Wins episode was, as the kids say, some real hashtag relatable content. Ever since the ranger in my game discovered the sharpshooter feat and started dishing out 50 hit points of damage around from 200 feet away, everything I throws that throw at them seems like an easy win. Like that, the conversation veered into mooks, as mooks are some of my favorite monsters. I think mooks are worthy of an entire episode. In fact, mooks have been my go-to method for complicating those potential easy wins. You can really drive a high-level par party crazy with very humble monsters. My current jam is using mooks to screw up players' long and short rests. <laughs> oh, ah, that's good money there. Oh, good love, money. Oh, Kyle, good I money. You. I love that. Oh, I'll take a short rest. Get, I got to get my stuff back. Nah, okay. Two kobolds show up. Yep. Two? Yep. Two. Just party. two. God Just damn it. Interrupt things. Interrupt your nap. Kyle continues. <laughs> I had an eighth level party get in Yungu's bad side. Yungu is the uh, demon prince of Knowles. Uh, so he had a powerful warlock. Uh, Oh, good, good. Shusuva. Shusuva demon. Thank you. Good Lord. A pack of jackal wares on them. After focusing on the demon, the warlock, and sending them off, they thought they were going to clear went on their way. That night when the party went to sleep, had a pack of jackal wares stampede through their camp every hour or so. Eventually, the jackal wares set the forest on fire near the camp. Soon the party of heroes was running for their lives from a forest fire without rest, low on spell slots, with the jackals pacing them in the woods out of reach and out of sight, but close enough to mock them with their constant howling and barking. Even worse, one of the party was a druid. Fleeing the fire, the party ran into some gnomes rushing the opposite way to go put out the forest fire. The PC was subsequently <laughs> druid-shamed into going back to fight the fire, even though he <laughs> was depleted. He had depleted his spell slot. Sorry. That's <laughs> not prepared to fight a fire. Guess he's going to show up at the fire. <laughs> a replenished warlock, demon, and jackal doggo pack. That's who. All with the party unrested and low on spell power. Uh, another thing to think about with easy wins is the perception of your players. I ran a West End Star Wars game for close to a year. That whole time, no one in the party was ever anywhere near in jeopardy of dying. Most combat encounters ended with stormtroop without stormtroopers or others getting a shot off. I was often concerned players would get bored. However, with the non-hit point... Uh, based injury system, my players seemed to have no idea how easy they, how easy they were skating by. The first sight of stormtroopers patrol, the Jedi would turn into Hudson from Aliens. Game over, man. We're screwed. <laughs> Can't imagine what it's like when I drop Vader on them. The point I'm rambling to, GMs need to keep in mind the perception of peril is just as dramatic as actual peril. Your players often don't know the difference. Thanks again for a great resource. I'd love to hear the MOOC episode. <laughs> I like That's the pretty good. I'd like to have, have a MOOC episode. And I gotta say, Apart from the kick-ass story, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's hilarious. Perception of peril, as important if not more important than actual peril. Absolutely. That's the thing in uh, old school D&D that would slow people would claim, oh, it played so slow, blah, blah, blah. Because what happens when I do this? The statue shivers a little bit and then stops. I throw a coin at it. Ting, ding, 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 ding. It lands heads up. What do you mean it lands heads up? Throw another one. Ding, 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 ding. Then it lands tails. All right, I throw 10 coins. What happens? It, because there's a perceived peril that something bad's happening. And all I happened to give was just some goofy little hots, heads up. And the players took it too far. That Gary Khan. That actually happened in the game. <laughs> Gary Khan, Shad Parish, Dead Game Society, ran first edition AD&D. We did not have a thief. 
and we were going down the entry of a tomb and there was light shining at it right before a door. We sat in front of that door trying to figure out if it was freaking trapped for about an hour. Did you have fun for doing For a four-hour game. Did you have fun doing that or no? I don't know. I was like, you know, you toss this in there, toss that in there, put something around a rope, toss it in there and bring it back. <laughs> I mean, it was... He's like, oh, man, you guys haven't even gotten through the door yet. It's been an hour. We're like, hey, man, want to live? Yeah. <laughs> Good times. That's funny. Yeah. Even if you don't go that far, right, sometimes the bad guy shows up and she's standing there resplendent, lightning crackling, mooks piling around, and she's, like, just screaming how she's got your, your doom is upon you, so-and-so. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. We got to take her down. Oh, good Lord. Whack. Well, that was it? Oh, it can't possibly be it. <laughs> or, or any number of things similar to that. It can get crazy. I love it. Oh, Kyle, it was awesome, man. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, for everybody, for commenting in the forums yes, and writing very in. Good. Very, Appreciate very good. it. Let's get to the main topic. Hey, Brett. Let's rock, man. All right. So, Sean, uh, I'm calling Audible on you here, man. Last time, we were going to talk about no winners and losers. Oh, we surprise if you showed up for no winners or no losers. Yeah, so Sean got here, and uh, he's talked to me. Last, after we get off the mics, he said, I'm thinking about changing up my jamming style. The first thing that came to my mind was the old Bruce Lee movie. What's your style? You may call it the art of fighting without fighting. So I thought, Sean's new style is the art of game mastering without game mastering. Possibly. It's got some kind of Jeet Kune Do thing going on here. Anyway, so, Sean, what the hell, man? So what, what, what is it about? What are you doing now that you don't want to do? Or what, what's making you, what's the driving force behind you wanting to change your style? I mean, besides hairdo and maybe a mustache or a beard or something, what are we talking? What, what are you looking to change? Why are you doing this? Is there something you're missing? You think I wore a collared are? shirt to this episode, Brett. You did. You're looking pretty good. Stepping things up, buddy. Yeah, if you answer these questions correctly, you probably make it on the next half of the interview. So, oh, oh, okay. <sighs> so right. let's start here. What makes you want to do this? Why? Why do you want to change your style? I want to be a better game master. Okay. There you go. There it is. The cat's out of the bag. So, do you think you're a bad game master? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to ask you. That I don't know. Lot. You'll have to ask my players. <laughs> so, I'm sure one or two will say that I am. So, let me ask you: Is there something that is this coming from a introspective, like Sean thinks there's something missing, or are you taking feedback from people and thinking, "Hey, I'm missing something"? <sighs> a little bit of both, column A, column B, or I guess uh, I think it's it, so. It's definitely going to be a stylistic thing, and it has to do with I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I, I, so part of me is, yes, it's a GM style thing. Mm -hmm. And then part of me is setting expectations correctly. And session zero comes into that and chemistry and all this other crap we always talk about for like 300 plus episodes. Well, let me tell, let me, let's do this then. So right. is, there a th is there something or things that you don't want to do anymore? Because for me, when I started changing stuff up, over the years, or I'll think about something. I told I told you about this off the mics. A little quick Brett story is like, hey, I realized that there's certain types of games that don't go over well with my home group, my gaming group of like 30 plus years. You know what, Brett? Don't they'll play anything? Quite literally, they'll try anything. 
But if it's obvious they're not enjoying it, don't force it. Which would happen with Dungeon Crawl Classics. Half the group had a really great time. The other half was like, eh. So I shelved it. And then I'll come back when I play with a smaller group or a different group of people. Because it's just not a thing. If I'm going to play with all the guys, I want a game everybody likes. So I'm like, you know what? Stop trying to force a thing on them because that's not going to work. Don't do that anymore. Um, so on your side, Sean, is there something that you're like, hey, this doesn't work for me? You know, type of thing? A little bit. I, th- I think that I can get into a... Ca- so can get into a casual frame of mind, which is fine, right? You're playing with friends. It's, casual it's frame a, of mind. Explain. Uh, give, me the, give me an example. God, how am I going to articulate Tell me this? about a time when you had a casual so, frame of mind. I'm so terrible at this. <sighs> I I envision how I want a game run. Okay. Say for me, right? So I put myself in the player's shoes and say, how would I want my game master to run the game for me? So this is all very introspective, which is... Not always the right way or a good way to approach things, especially when you're playing with a group of players that are going to be on the receiving end of this. But in short, there is a there's times when I may even comment, I may poke, I may, you know, there was a mothership game that we recently ran. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, not to the patrons, this is a different one. So the guys that might listen to this and go, oh, I know what he's talking about. This is a different one. And it was for my home group with Jeff. And it was a Marine who was running away from everything. Like, first sight of an alien running away. So kind of okay, but I was kind of poking him. Like, hey, man, this is like, what are you, you're a Marine. You're running away from danger? And the Android's going forward? Well, Android's an Android, but that's to to decide it. So this is a, oh, keep going, keep going. But so it's kind of a... A wanting to sit back and be more impartial, and I think, and be more of a referee. As don't Gabe don't be mentioned. an editor, right? So basically, you're kind of like running the writing table, if you will. And someone does something that you think is quote unquote wrong out of character. Right. You're like, dude, that's dumb. Now, uh, dude, that's dumb. I mean, if it's Jeff and you've known him forever, right? Right. Or if right. Lenny does something like, are you fucking kidding me, Lenny? Really, seriously, dude? Right. I've known the guy for thirty years, right? But there's that time when you say, okay, that's what you want to do. That's what you're doing. Right. Correct. And and I think there is a way to go about maneuvering the game master's presentation where I don't think I'm always in the right frame of mind. And I will elaborate. Not even frame of mind, but right perspective. Okay. And a perfect example would be you're going through a dungeon and you describe the dungeon. First of all, sometimes I can get long-winded, so I got to be careful of that. Shocker. So describing the dungeon corridor. I think corridor, people who have listened to us for six years right. would, would not assume you're as long-winded as I am, quite frankly. So anyway. I've seen Brett run. I'm not that, <laughs> I'm not that bad. No, no, he's not that bad. I think I've been. And I get like that too. So I can't, you know, I can't throw stones. But you go through and you're like, okay, great. You come to a door and the door is in front of you made out of wood hinges on the left hand side it appears that it may swing in or away from you so then it's like okay great i open the door okay you open the door and then this happens so either it's trapped maybe it's trapped and then the person says and they go okay or maybe it's not trapped okay follow me they open the door it's not trapped the room describing the room describe the room from what they can see initially. 
some of these pre-published modules that I run, they get into, yep, the desk drawer, the desk has this, this, and this on it. And it's like, well, they're not, they're really not technically in the room. So are they going to notice all that? Should I say that? No, probably not. Yeah, so some the, of these the, the desk has five drawers and a roll top. Yeah, if I, oh, you know, it's a desk. Yeah. Modules need to go. This is what they initially see. Bam. Read this as soon as they open the door. Okay, great. And then once they walk in the door, they, they examine things, then consider the following and then lay that out. Like, I want to be a thinkless game master sometimes when I'm dealing with pre-published modules. That's just me. Anyways, moving on. There, door opens, describe the room. Then it's like, okay, well, um, so the bed, um, is. are there sheets on it? No, like, oh, you're, okay, so as you do that, something drops from the top of the door. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't go in the room. I didn't go in the room. I didn't go in the room. I just asked if there were sheets on the bed. So some of these things I want to tighten up. Like, Got I know it. I will so, run into them regardless, but at the same time, yeah. I don't want to go, do you do you go in the room? Yeah, because if you do, do that. Do then, you? Oh, 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 do you go please, in the room? Let's go in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me throw this at you. Have you done the the quick – now, pre-published module is different, perhaps, and maybe this would require a different level of prep for you or someone that's doing it, but the, the cursory glance looks like a bedroom. There's a bed in the corner, you know, four posts, there's a dresser, a desk, and this. And then feeding the information as they ask it. So sometimes, so this is just a thing I have done and I think works for me. And I think this is what you're trying to say. And this is not me telling you you're doing it wrong or I do it better. It's just a different way I do it. I am receptive to criticism. I do not get butthurt. Because I think if I were to say, like, okay, you do that now. Well, it does this, this. Look, if you want more details, you got to get in the room. That, I like it. I like that. That type of statement stops some of the, I was, I kind of, uh, 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 so. Are you I should going? be able to see from here. I should yeah. be able to see from here. Like, how yeah. far is it? Like, 20 yeah. feet? I should, be able, I should be able to tell if there's something underneath the pillow. Yeah. So I, I think the, the other component is that if you key, if you are consistent through every room and every area, how you do it, then there becomes a cadence, right? Correct. Yes. You've opened the door. I describe the kitchen. I describe the door opens up. I say, wow, looks like the cryo chamber on the ship. Looks like one of them may be broken. I think it might be the third or fourth one on the right. If you want more details, you got to go in the room. That's normal because it's always been that way. As we march through this relic ship, we always have to. We get a quick description. Details means get your punk ass in the room. So I think that that would help you right, in that space. And I can see where, it, depending who you played with or how you've grown up, it can be how you've grown up through the game system. I mean, not like how you were raised, right. but how you've grown up through the hobby. Sometimes you f- have this need to elaborate the shit out of every description. It's a wooden door. You think maybe white oak. Uh, it's got a really cool <laughs> knot pattern. It's a brass handle. No one fucking cares. No. If someone asks right. that they're really paying attention, make it up or whatever. But until they ask, eh, fuck, it doesn't matter. I've actually done that <clears throat> too where I will say... Okay, like there's some weird question. Like I will think it's weird. Of course, the player thinks it's like very critical. Un- yeah, it's what shade unlock- of what shade of blue is that? Unlock the mysteries of mm. the puzzle that is non-existent in front of them. But they, I will say, um, okay, interesting question. What are you What are you shooting for here? Yeah, what are you trying to get at? What are you What are you, what are you shooting for? Because then, if it's then they can explain why they're asking why are the tapestries blue. I honestly and, think that's a very another very good thing to do is like, look, 
Are you asking what's under the pillow from 30 feet away because you don't want to go in the room or you try to see if there's something obvious because if it's the size of a pea, there's no way you're going to fucking see it with a pillow. So I think that I, I like what you're saying there from, and I think it's just a good rule. It's tightening it up. It's kind of the, you know, how do I edit myself down to make sure that I'm concise, deliver a punch. And then if people want more questions, they ask me more, more info, excuse me, they ask me questions and I give them stuff that goes say, look, that's the end of the, that's all you're going to know from this side of the door yep. to go into the doctor's laboratory to find out more. And I like the thing you said as well about editing. I'm calling it editing the players. It's probably too strong, Sean, but that I do that with my kids because they're young and inexperienced gamers. And it is very tempting sometimes, even with like older experienced gamers. You're like, dude, are you seriously running away from the combat? Paladin of Heronius? You know, space marine, you know, who's, li <laughs> who's lived for a thousand lifetimes and for the emperor and you've cleansed and burned forever, but you're running away from one Tyranid? Well, they're kind of scary. Really? <laughs> you know, right. sometimes shaming players is fun, but I do get what you're saying is sometimes it's like, well, I think the way to, for me is that, and maybe this is a piece that you could, you could throw in there is that those, those actions have consequences. Then we've talked about that. You run away, then you don't find out clues. Right? That type of thing. But I like what you're saying there. Don't edit the players. Concise conversation or description. Is there something else that you're doing that you don't like? Or that you're like, hey, I want to And I don't know I if quit. it's necessarily what I don't like. And I think it's one of the things that I need to do. And this is interesting. We have something in die roll that I stumbled across literally at the like 11th hour before we went live that I didn't really read all too in depth. But it has to do with... Uh, kind of a a session planner, I think, is what it's something similar to that. It's a uh, same page tool. It's called. I saw that same guy page. in the school. Yeah, it's very interesting. But I think part of what I've read in there was there is a inherent uh, there is a want sometimes to ensure uh, everybody wants to play the same type of game, whether that's genre, rule set, chemistry, the way it's run. Whatever. Yeah. And in that thing, it's basically saying, as the game master or referee, what is the game that you want to, what is the game that you are trying to facilitate? And if somebody doesn't want to, they're kind of like waffling on maybe a component, they're not in the game. So I guess, so another piece of your, what, if I get what you're saying is like, look, I want to, I want to run this game this way. So on and so forth. And when someone goes, well, I don't know if I'm interested in that. Okay, you can bow out. Don't and that's okay. Don't right. feel obligated to include everybody just right. because. Right. I um, My World of Darkness game, I can, we might talk about that a different episode that I kicked off a couple of weekends ago with my, my home group. That was, well, the guys, JR couldn't make it. And I told him, I said, JR, here's the deal. If you don't make the kickoff, I'm not the way this is built, I don't want to retrofit you. He goes, that's fine. But anyway, he's just, he's got stuff going on and it's just difficult for him to get out. I said, got it. I didn't, you know, no harm, no foul. That's how we've, that's how we run. You don't want to play, don't play. You know, and if it's, I don't want to play because I don't like that game, that's fine. I think that's smart. I like, I like that because I think what that will do for you is help you get away from putting up with 
Yeah. Yeah. There, so, and I think we mentioned this a couple episodes ago when we talked about trust. Yeah. About saying, hey, um, I don't want to be the heavy-handed GM that says, no, no, you can't play that. You can't play that race. You can't play that. You know, I'm going to rule out all these classes. I'm going to, you know, house rule everything. This is the way it's going to be. Because then the, the player was like, oh, I really want to play a Dragonborn Tiefling multi-class fighter mesh user thief. <laughs> And, and Jedi, also Jedi, gotta be Jedi, 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 Jedi. right? Yeah. Which I also want the players to play what they want to some degree. Like I don't want players not playing. Like they kind of like oh, I made this guy. Like Jeff, I gotta give Jeff some credit. He's playing a normal fighter and he didn't complain the whole session. But at first, in the upfront, it was like I'm just playing a normal, you know, fight, you know, normal plebe. You don't want to be, you don't want us to be adventurers or heroes. So he thinks I'm like nerfing him for some reason, which isn't the case. And everything seems to be going rather smoothly now. So there's a little disconnect there. But nonetheless, it's easy to just go put the ban hammer on everything, right? And I don't want to be that GM necessarily, but I think I might. Like in the next game that I run, like if I run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, and I want it to be a particular style, or this is the deal, and I want, hey, this is the deal. You're, it's a all-human party. Sorry. You don't want to play that? Then don't play this game. I think that's, I think as long as that stuff's up front, and part of the, I haven't looked at the same page tool, but part of it, I think what I'm hearing you say is, when you, you talked initially about expectations here, is the the ability to set expectations clearly. It's kind of like being yes. concise with your explanation of what does the door look like, what's on the bed, what's in the spaceport, what's in the lab. Being able to clearly say, this is what the game is about. This is why. Right. These are really cool options. I'm excited to see what you do about them. Here you go. Yeah. And if you don't want to play, I still love you. Yes. We'll play the next game. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, so the expectation piece, how I handle a situation where it's a lit like ambiguity, which I know there's going to be tons of it with role-playing games because we're playing in theater of the mind or we're not, or we don't, we're not there. So Even when you, if we're playing in like three 3d tiles the only person yeah. that might be crazy enough to put everything in there is like mr dwarven forge himself you know like you know stefan may say like if it's not on the table in the little 3d it doesn't exist it doesn't exist but you know what i'm saying actually uh i think old school gm might do that with his paper craft <laughs> well, got, right randy might enough, say like hey enough, it's he's got enough like skill what, with that man yeah what you see is what you get which and, is pretty cool yeah Right. So let me ask you this then: when you when you talk about dealing with ambiguity, that makes me think about from a rules perspective. Do you have a when you're looking at this kind of change your style? Do you think do you think maybe you've been too rules light, too rulings over rules? Do you want to be more of a keep it to rules as written? Do you want to eliminate house rules, or is that or I mean the other potential is like you know what, fuck it, I'm happy with the way it runs. You know you don't have to change everything. I'm just asking. Funny story. Oh, I'm Curse I'm, of Strahd ran into the hey, I take a five foot step. I'm like, okay, that's an attack of opportunity. What? Five foot step? No, that doesn't, that's not an attack of opportunity. I'm like, there is no five foot step in 5e. No, you don't get a free five foot move. No. If you want to so get away goes, from combat without an attack of opportunity, I believe it is disengage action. Disengage. But I have to have it. I had to hand it to Jason. It says I think it, the ruling is like if you if you re, if you move out like f out of range. So if you are 
if you're moving, so you're melee, mm-hmm. and you're sidestepping to like another side next to the person, that's not moving away out of range. Correct. Right? So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I'm good with it. Let's You're roll. maneuvering around the figure. Basically, right. if you think of Correct. a fig on a grid, you're north, you're going east to south to west. Correct. Totally legit. Totally legit. Fine. No attack no opportunity problem. there. Yes. But there was, it goes back a long time ago when we talked about like playing games where we think we know the rules and then we really don't. Yes. Like, oh, that's that's from Pathfinder in 3.5. And it's like, oh, 5e, yeah, protect our terrain. Oh, no. It doesn't work like that. Like, well, how do I leave? How do I move? So going back to rule. So going back to your question, Brett, I haven't Fair. forgotten about it. It's all right. It's all right. Is to understand the rules a little bit more, but not being inflexible. So I don't think that piece is a part that I really want to change. I, I need to bone up a little bit, I think, to understand the overall fundamental rules, which isn't, I mean, 5e isn't overly tough. And I think you can always lean on advantage, disadvantage, and uh, you know, out of DC. Oddly enough, one of the things, if you don't have a GM screen, the uh, one of the things I like about the D&D 5e G, the DM screens that I have seen um, or ones that people have done. I, I like the um, the effects information. Hey, you're paralyzed, you're, you're poisoned, you're this, you're this, or this. What that does to you, ex- exhaustion mechanic. So the reason I'm telling you that is I've actually started either, if I'm using my iPad, like having just taking pictures of PDFs or cutting it differently, whatever, but getting the rules that I really am struggling with or if there's certain things that really, oh, this is good. I need to remember that. Instead of just trusting my old old man brain to remember it, I write down one way, shape, or form. Started tacking stuff to my my home game master screen. So anyway, just an idea because because to me, when you're talking about this, I think it's cool to want to do it. But I just figured I'd throw a couple ideas of a, a, a tool or something you could to try to, to to do the change with. So. Okay. I mean, running running online is pretty smooth. Like when I was using Foundry, I have a browser open, I had Zoom open, but it was like very. And search engines are pretty good. I mean, five e d and d blah is going to come up with the rule like well, somewhere. I mean, that's one of the nice things about Roll Twenty when I'm playing five e. Right. I type in you know the spell name, brick, hand axe, brick, all the info on it. It's all there. Well, right. And in, in Foundry, you can click on anything in the character sheet or whatever. Even when they cast the spell, it'll it'll they click on it and it'll come up with the description, the range, the duration, all in the chat. Bam, there's what it is. So, anyways, my point is that part of me wants to be able to, and that's just the shortcoming of, of me. I don't know if it's necessarily a style. And usually with rules, I'm a little bit so Brett knows I'm a little looser with my knowledge of the rules. Like I don't nail things down probably because I can't remember half of them and then I don't remember so, them and then so I play a, another game. From a style thing, do you do you want to and setting expectations, do you want to get the players to realize that you are in charge of your character? I'm just asking you. You don't have to do this. So that like, was brought up too, actually. Yeah. Like there was something that came up and I can't remember the scenario but it was it was a spell or something that somebody wanted to do. I can't remember what it was specifically. It drove me nuts, though. And it was a point where it's. I think I went off on Jeff and said, look, man, I got all this shit going on over here. You need to know what's like your sheet and what that means and what it what it does. I, I, I know what it was. There were two things he was talking about. God, I look at my browser history. I could probably pull them up. But it was something to do with 
I can move and then I can attack and then I can move and then attack again or something crazy. And it was like these two things, it's like a, a I gotta, oh, it's gonna drive me nuts now. No, but there, there's bits and pieces, right? If I have a power or a skill, we've talked about this many times in the past, right? If you have it, you're a player. And the things that for, I think both of you and I, to be a good player, a helpful player at the table is know your shit. What are you supposed to be able to do? What can you do? If you're like, hey, I want to use this spell in a creative way or this weird Jedi power or this, you know, Psyker ability, I think I can do it. The rule states, can I do that, Mr. Game Master type of thing? Well, I could tell you one thing, and I know Jeff was involved at some point. He was either trying to advise everybody or or because he mentioned the two things. They're not. It's like some weird, goofy, I get to do this at fourth level. I get this ability or whatever, right? Okay. Which is fine. But it wasn't even applicable to the situation because nobody had it. They're all first level. Okay, so let's just like let me nix that and go on. Yeah. Well, Jeff's trying to build his character now for fourth level. Like he's trying to map out all this crap, and I actually gave him shit about it. And like, come on, Jeff. Somebody actually mentioned it, like, why are we talking about this? Can we just move on or whatever? And I'm like, well, here's the problem. Jeff's trying to map out his character to optimize him. And he's only first level and he's in the middle of a game. So he needs to know what these two things are so that he knows that he could bring them out down the road. It tongue in cheek, jabbing Jeff a little, poking him. But it was these two things that was just kind of weird and wacky. And it was like, man, what in the hell are we even talking about this for? It has nothing to do with what's going on right at the moment. However, I just like make the ruling and move on. But I also, I mean, I don't want to get into the fact that people are like, oh, five foot step. Yeah, we always play five foot step. Well, it's not the rule. It's not, I mean, there's, I'm not a big rules lawyer, but there are some fundamental things that I'm kind of like, eh, you got to kind of know how this rolls. I actually brought this up. We Something had been irking me for a while. And when I was up in my hometown and we played Rage of Demons and I was, my character has fireball. And I looked up and went, huh. 5e is 20 foot radius. It's not 30 foot. Huh. It's been 30 foot forever. Interesting. So we go back. We're playing online. Nick goes to drop a fireball. It says 20 foot radius. No, it's not. Type, type, type. Yes, it is. Well, uh-huh. It's only 20 feet. I looked it up and here's why. I didn't, I'm not doing it to nerf you, Nick. I did it because I nerfed myself. It's like, son of a gun. Well, and some of it is kind of like, if you're going to roll with that and you're going to cast it, you know, it, why am I having to remember what your spells are going to do at every spell in the book and on all the shit I got to deal with? I think it's a good idea to in that expectation component, which I think is sounds to me like you're saying that's a big deal because you have expectations that of the players, the game that you want to run and what you want to facilitate and how you want that to go that you haven't been able to be clear with people. Yeah, up, I'm, up front. I'm t- it's it's my own fault for not like laying it all out and being wishy-washy or not. And it's tough when you've played with yeah. people for a very long time. Yeah. And you change everything. Like, hey, what, 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 what where's what, this all coming from? Yeah, we've always played like, you know, I've joked with my guys and I, I've my, my crew and I said I could never run the original World of Darkness game I ran. Again, that system. They're like, why? I said, because we home-ruled the fuck out of that thing. I don't even remember how we did it. So when I read the rules now, I look back at it a number of years ago, and huh, I don't know if I ever did that. Neat. <laughs> I don't think I could ever run that way. But I think that what you're saying here makes sense. Is there, um, what was, what was I going to say? So anything else on your side of the screen that you're thinking of, hey, I want to, you're talking about tightening up, tightening up descriptions, you know, expectation setting with players. That's what the setting is. 
limitation imposed limitations but explaining them right so everybody gets it and so on players got to know their shit you want to be concise um not hide bound by the rules but obey them it's a weird it's a weird th- like it's some of this is really weird like even with the curse of strad game that i'm playing with it's it's i don't, I don't know if i i mean i mentioned it and i kind of touched on it in the beginning i might have got sidetracked but there are four strange like six strangers in a car uh in the middle of the ever you know they're they're they're, they crash and they all wake up and they're the only people around. Like there isn't like, oh, look at all these 20 people from the train crash, yeah. like the lightning rail crash. Hmm, weird. Like nobody's putting two and two together. That's fine. And I, I think there is a willingness to want to just kind of like, okay, we're all together. Let's go. And the only one that Joe, like Joe, my buddy Joe is kind of the first one to kind of broach the subject of like, we don't know each other. Like, I don't know you. This is what, you know, this is what I'm familiar with. But it was all just, hey, we're all one big party. Come on. Did that bother you? It doesn't bother me necessarily. Yeah, it bothered uh, you. It bothered no, you. No, no. Don't lie to me. Well, <laughs> so I'm not saying it from a it bothers me perspective to the point of like, uh, it's I can't stand it. It's driving me crazy. Mm. It's just the strange kind of put in a quarter and everybody's, they're all together. We're a group. We know each other. So like, an expectation, I guess, you could say is you're expecting, like, look, this is the role. This is part of the role. I expect role play. Some of them did, too. Like, I stepped away, and they were kind of talking about, you know, who they are, where they come from. And because and, some of them were like, do you recognize this? Like, I'm not from this part of, of Ab- Corvair. Yeah. So are you from here? Does this look like we're even near Sharn? I think Harold brought that up. Like, is this, are we near Sharn? Are we outside a road? Like, this, I don't know. Ever, I'm not have from you here. ever refereed, facilitated that type of discussion before to get players to do it? Dude, I'm, I'm, I obviously there is a trend here where I am a very shortcoming expectation setter. No, 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 no because like, because, I, I'm okay with that. No, I need to I, personally go, look, I need to tighten this shit up. Well, the other thing, dude, honestly, is that. In order to not slide back in the old habit, you, for me anyway, I think you've got to put in, this is what I try to do, um, which, and I don't always succeed at this either. You know, like, hey, I'm going to put this <laughs> reminder on. I'm not going to do this. Look, oh, fuck, I forgot that again. God damn it. You know, it was going to, we're not, it's not perfection, you know, but I think if we, when we want to make a change like this, I, th- I think by having a tool or mechanism that helps remind us, sometimes it's the sticky note, it's the whatever. Like it's glaringly, it's the, it's the, uh, which why I mentioned the game master screen with the fucking thing right there. The rule is right there in, on pink paper and, you know, black, you know, super big, bold. So anyway, it, one of the pieces that from the description perspective is the six of you are there. You realize you don't know each other. You didn't say two words there, but now you're stranded. Right. Do you trust each other? Right. And then you can walk away with that question. And sometimes those open ended questions like that, do you trust that person? I'm not saying you don't have to. I'm not saying, well, yeah, we're obviously here together. That's totally fine. You guys are doing that. That's fine. But just remember, you don't know anything about each other. And they're all, so you know where Curse of Strahd starts, right? You've oh, yeah. gone through it. I'm just saying, I think. And they're all together. Like, there's no, like, hey, I'm going to go check this out. And, hey, I'll go with you. It's like every single room is like a mob of six people. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Okay. Well, I mean, I kind of get it. Sure. If they but... play D&D long enough, you don't split the party. <laughs> I get that. No, but so what I'm saying is that in the so in addition to your tightening up your descriptions, dude, I think another thing to do is instead of coaching people on when they're doing something wrong and saying, hey, why are you doing that? Which is no, kind of I... the, 
Yeah. I don't bring that up. Yeah. But you don't say you by when you look at Jeff and say, dude, you're a paladin of Heronius. Why are you not charging into the combat? Instead of doing that, there's the I don't know how I don't know how well Heronius will look at that, but okay. Right. That's that yeah, no, I try to kind of like limit that. It's right. goofily, but yeah. I think the passive aggressive statement in some of those cases can work wonders. Like, so you trust the lizard man who right. you've never seen before. Okay, right. just checking. Yeah. Because it'll just so dissent and whatnot. But anyway, I think when you're talking about the description, sometimes it's the, not just how things look, but the atmosphere. You don't necessarily tell people how their character feels. That's on them to decide. But you can remind them, you do not know this asshole. Right. You can take that from him just because he's ordering you around. What does your character say? What is this bond or flaw or I don't take orders from no one, no how? Really? Yeah. That type of thing, reminding people of ways to role play versus you're, they're doing suboptimal tasks. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that matters or if that makes sense to you. I'm not trying to be a dick, but. No, it's, that's all good. I mean, and another thing I want to do is is literally sit down and have a, a prep style, which, and I don't want to spend two hours prepping stuff, and I'll probably go off a of Sly Flourish's kind of steps because you can, if it's a pre-published module, there's like, you know, he probably lays out, I think, six or eight steps. And if you do pre-published, you have, you could skip the monster, the treasure, right? It's all in there. You just have to pick, mm -hmm. you know, he's got a part where it's like, what 10 things are the characters going to learn during this session and writing those out and just having them kind of, and I think it helps freshen the stuff in my brain because I could read the pre-published module, but there's still a lot of shit in there. And then when you bring up a freaking yeah. thing to like go through, you're like, like, look, you're looking five words ahead. To ensure you're not going to give them away, give away something that they, you, right? So you're like, and then there's the, there's the what, Sean? That's it. That's it. There's, and under the table is a dust ball covered with mud. Right. Yeah. Really? Nothing else. Yeah. Right. I like that idea. I think because we're getting a little long here, dude, but we're talking about tools and stuff. I mean, if you go with, Something like a Sly, Sly Flourishes, Lazy, Lazy DM type of stuff. I think that's great, honestly. And it's funky because old Grognard's like, like us sometimes. I don't need nobody to tell me how to GM. No, I've been doing this since uh, knee high to a grasshopper, you know, blah, blah, blah. We, we do that periodically. And I think, though, that if you want to do what you're talking about, like, hey, you want to tighten this up, change this approach everything you're saying makes sense and getting some kind of a guide, even if you grab flourishes bit and you're like hey i'm going to go through this checklist like write this down write this down get my 10 things figure this out and you get halfway and you go huh i don't even need that anymore i can now do it natively you throw the list right it's not like you're hide bound to that either it's just an approach and i think the other piece here sean i would say is that don't be don't kick yourself in the ass if you screw it up because <laughs> we all do that you know yeah yeah. But you get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And then, you know, so there's, I am try. I want to be, a, I want to be a better game master, however you define that. And I am open to change. Even this old dog. <laughs> new trick. Is open to new tricks. I just, you know, I want to, you know, tighten things up, man. Do you think it would be helpful? This was my last question for you. Do you think it would be helpful, official question anyway, that I had in my mm -hmm. head? To start with a different group, all the new stuff versus the old group, or anyone you play with regularly, and I'm, I'm saying you've got Doc's group and Jeff's group, right? Picking on those two guys is like 
group name people. Those two local groups you play with versus saying, you know what, I'm going to grab five patrons or I'm going to grab somebody else I don't run for you. Do you think it would be easier for you to try new things with a different group? So, yes, I do think it would be different with a... A different group. Well, I'm asking I, you if you well, think it'd be easier I'm, to do the the stuff here. Like, so you're looking about making change, different descriptions, different way to do it, starting off differently, different expectations. You want to start with? Do you want to do that? Do you think you'd have better success with a totally different group kicking that type of approach off, or do you think? Oh, def- definitely, okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. If I were to say, hey, I'm going to run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to get a group together. I'm going to send out invites to to people that are interested in playing, post it, whatever that mm-hmm. is. Then, then I would sit down and go, okay, let, I'm going to run this. What system am I going to run? Am I going to run 5e? I don't know. And then I'm going to, I'm going to filter that out. Like, what's that look like? And frankly, I don't know what that looks like. Cause I'm not, it's that part of the world setting wise. I don't know if I'm, I'm not overly attached to it. Cause I don't know a lot about it. Like you do, Brett, like mm. Brett knows more about Forgotten Realms than I do inherently. Yep. So he's going to have a perception, a, a different perception than I am running that particular setting like brett may say look you're up in the it's there's nothing up there there's no one people no red wizards of they no one's from calum shan for god's sakes no one's from chult blah 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 right 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 so for me uh, mine is going to come strictly from a kind of what do i want out of a game and it just happens to be set there okay right and it and i will probably limit some races and things of that nature and just go hey this is kind of the deal and if you want to talk about it it's open to discussion at the same time, these are this is what I have in mind. And so part of me is like wanting to be a little flexible. I want to hear. I want to hear the reason, explanation. Like even Harold was with Lizard Guy. I'm like, all right, yeah, Lizard Guy going to be thrown from Eberron into Barovia. Why are you picking Lizard Guy? Instead of jumping, I was going to be quick to pull the trigger like, why you pull, uh, no, mm-hmm. But I ask them why, because sometimes when you just ask a player why, then you can get to the underlying reason. Yes. And if it makes sense, which Harold's kind of discussion was, he's like, I think it would be good because I'm in Corvair and these kind of monsters as races kind of ex- exist. And going into a place that that doesn't would create a lot of different dynamics versus, well, it's because I get a plus four on this and a plus five on that. And I would be able to really kick ass with doing X, Y, and Z. And that is not the player yes, character I want in there. That's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want the, like, the. I'm doing it for the mid maxi, you know, buff. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm it doing allows it because. You to do X, Y, and Z. I'm doing and this like, because it'd be a cool character. Well, the other right. piece is, I think, um, I get what you're saying and I agree. I mean, I think it is easier. One of the things I did with. Um, Ages back, when I first cut my teeth with Vampire and started really developing my own style, was I wanted to do different stuff to try voices and do different things. I wanted to be super dynamic, stand up and yell and just be who I am. I started doing that with my Vampire game. And one of the reasons I was able to do it was I had, there was one person at the game I knew that was my girlfriend at the time. I I, care, I knew other people, but I never played with them before. Hmm. Ever. It was like a con game. I sat down, I ran stuff. And I just went for broke. I'm like, if they think I suck, I never have to see them again. I could be the guy who runs a terrible game. I don't fucking care. I have friends at home. I don't need to play with these guys. And I had, it was goofy because I actually had people in some of my, at that time, like early college group who were friends of mine from high school still that were pissed at because I was running another game that they weren't invited to. I'm like, grow the fuck up. You know, I can have other games with other people. It's fine. 
But anyway, I think it is sometimes easier to make a change with a different group. Oh, and yeah, then I, when mean, you, I would agree. Yeah. And then when you've done that and it's become what you're doing over there becomes something you carry to every other game you run, right? You're doing this cool thing. You like it. It was fun. You had a good time with it. And it starts to, to just drain over into everything else you run. And I think it's you're no longer fighting X number of years of expectations, spoken or unspoken, you know? And when you tell people, look, I the other thing I think you will learn through doing that too is, which something I, I need to work on myself, is pitching my game idea to people I don't play with. I learned it a little bit better writing little blurbs for con games, like, hey, you're in the middle of blah, 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 come save the so-and-so. Kind of boring. But the elevator pitch, how, what's Avalon about, what's this, that really kind of helped me sharpen that, that up a little bit. But I think the... Because when you're talking to a group of people you know, it's very easy to assume... Well, they obviously know what I mean. This new group, they don't know shit. They don't know... Right. It's not like they don't know shit, but they don't know shit about me. If I say right. non-heroic, fuck, what does that mean to them? Right. And if I say that to my friends... I only know that I have to explain certain things because of conversations I've had over the last 30 years with these guys. But even then, there's plenty of times you're like, oh, I thought you meant blah. No, that's not at all what I meant. Oh, sorry. That was just an assumption based on 30 years, you asshole. Yes, you're right. I'm, I am the asshole. I did. I should have clarified it. But you don't have any of those assumptions. You have no preconceived notions going in. So I think I that would be cool. It's not, it's not like we don't... And I mean... Get a game online anyway. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And the um, the tool you're using to game online is pretty good. And you've got a great group of different people you can pull from. So well, I like that. That's cool, man. So we'll leave this off with, have you ever considered changing up your game master style or way you approach things? And why would you? And if it was... Did it work? Did it not work? Um, because I think we get into habits, and yep. it's okay. But you know, I personally want to. I want to strive to be better because I just i I'm starting to listen to some APs, and I'm like, this person is just conveying the deal. And then if that game master has a question, I'm like, ah, I don't do that that well and i'd like to do it that way kind of more and more often so that's where some of this is coming and uh not i know i'm just interested to hear other people's perspectives on, oh, yeah, on how they roll right yeah th so. this is actually from for me this is interesting because i now have to look back at myself we've talked about when we did like the you ran me through the uh the D, &D quiz right that was some introspection for me, and then we talked. We've talked about looking back and introspective and stuff. But every once in a while, it's it's super helpful because you look at this stuff like I really like this. Why do I really like this? We talked about that before, but now this is um, is there something I'm doing that I should say? You know what? I could be better at this instead of saying "Goddamn those players." Maybe it's "Goddamn I should stop doing that." <laughs> or or hey, I bet you if I did it different, I could get a different result. So good stuff, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's get into die roll. Let's do that. Die roll. Jeez. Pushing buttons. They don't work. My mic falls out. All right. 
Die roll 2d4 miscellaneous points a game in a geekery. We've got three this week. First one, Jim Fitzpatrick. He's got the bust uh, hack game. Yeah. Uh, it's a card role-playing game. Put it out on Twitter. Asked us to kind of spread the word. He's looking for feedback on it. I will put it in the freaking comments and show notes in die roll. It's about a bunch it, of shady characters on the way to the afterlife. Yes. Should be pretty cool. So check that out. Um, it is a link to Google Drive for the document and give him some feedback. If you if you know Jim, I think he goes by Jim the Linguist on Twitter. Yep. Jim's right, good people his, too. So his, Yeah, he's a great yeah, guy. He's a very cool dude. Second one, which I did not know about, I must have missed the Kickstarter, is Roll, which is another virtual tabletop. Um, never can have too many choices, ladies and gentlemen. So the Kickstarter was successful. They're going to start giving out alpha invites to the Kickstarter backers, and then I think they're going to start rolling it out to the general public as far as that goes. There's a lot of, um, like, Mothership, I think, is supported. A lot, of, a lot more independent games to include 5e. Um I don't know if you can import your own. I can't imagine. But anyways, something to check out. Keep on the radar as things progress with that platform. And then the last one, which I hinted at the main topic, is the same page tool that somebody brought up. I think some somebody, one of our followers, community members. It seems familiar. Yeah. But it's, it, you know what, man? These tools and these and this stuff, It's there's so much shit out there. There's so much good stuff. Yeah, there it, is. Bear, it bears repeating and bringing it back up. So very cool. It's a checklist. Like it starts out. Do you play to win? A yes, you totally play to win. Win conditions are or B good play isn't a win lose kind of thing. It's so it's a questionnaire. Player characters are blah 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 blah. And I think he even says this tool does not help you find a common ground if you do not have it. It helps you clarify exactly what you will be playing. I think that's the big difference. Where I was like in bold. I'm like. Oh, so it's not a questionnaire like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Okay, cool. Nah. It's kind of asking yourself and then putting it out there so you can tell people like, hey, this is kind of what I'm going to play. This is what I'm going to do, man. You in? That's what I'm going to do. I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. Get trying to flip. Flippity flip. Cool, so man. that is it. Any last words, Brett, man? No, that was good, man. I appreciate you sharing because that's... It's, it's personal. I mean, saying, saying, hey, I don't like something that I'm doing. I want to change it. It's personal. And uh, thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. It's cool. Yeah. So that's it for this episode of Gaming NBS. We record here Monday nights, typically at 8 p.m. Central Time. Tune in, subscribe, follow at the least. Uh, otherwise, if you see this on uh, the YouTube channel, do us a favor. Give us a like and subscribe. Otherwise, cast just in your favorite podcatcher, ladies and gentlemen. So, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. This episode of Gaming Game BS produced by the following BSers. Obscuriosity, Quigley Malcolm, Larry Hollis, Obscurious Dominus, Isaiah Aries Christian, The Duke in Purple, Ed Nyes, Jay Plata, Corey Wynn, Graham Miner, Adam Grochon, Phil McClory, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Jason Weeb, Eric Frank House Presents, Daniel Garrett, Jim Ingram, Jim Ingram, Curtis Tinson, Rory Weston, Mike Hess Jr., Ghost GM, Mark Soam, Hus Carl, Eric Tavola, Henry Newcomb, Melissa Bashinsky, Harrigan, David F. Baylog, Rich Wishon, Brian Rumble, Jeff Goad, Niall Diamond, Corey Gonzalez, John Kaywer, Jeff Seifert, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Perry Besor, Laramie Wall, Brian Kurtz, Robert Nemeth, George Sedgwick, 
Eric Salzweedle, Angus, Corey Welch, Josh Wallace, Howard Bishop, Craig, Sky, Chad Glayman, Thomas Hook, Mark Richmond, Ron Bishop, Larry Hout, Curtis Takahashi, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Ray Otis, Jared Rasher, Stefan Dragonspawn, Roger Braslett, Craig Huber, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Brett Pazinski, Pure Mongrel, Mirko Froelich, Mark Tasaka, Jason Hobbs, Chris Steele, Andy Hall, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Old School DM, and Joe Swick. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.